Welcome, this is Designing the Future, and I'm Michael Alba, Senior Editor here at Engineering.com. Today I'll be your host for a conversation with Ian Campbell, CEO of cloud simulation company OnScale. Ian founded OnScale in 2018, and he's been focused on simulation in the cloud ever since. Ian, thanks so much for being on the program today. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Michael. Really appreciate it. Sure. Now, you've got an interesting background, so I'm curious, can you tell us how you wound up at the helm of a cloud simulation company? Yeah, sure. So I uh, earned a master's of science in aerospace engineering from Georgia Tech way back in uh, 2008. I started my first company at Georgia Tech, a company called Next Input. Uh, Next Input makes force sensors for touch and human machine interface applications. It's been uh, very successful, but we were successful in spite of our engineering tools, not because of them. We used uh, desktop simulation tools uh, from all the usual suspects in the industry. Um, and we were always constrained by our engineering simulation tools running on desktops. These are very expensive software licenses. They're very uh, computationally intensive algorithms. We were running them on small desktop machines. So it felt like we were always waiting for simulation results in order to move in the next stage of our R&D. So um, when I had the chance to join the team that became OnScale, I jumped at the opportunity because the idea with OnScale is we're going to you know, take that old desktop simulation software, modernize it, bring it to cloud supercomputers, and break licensing and compute constraints for engineers all around the world that are developing uh, next generation technologies. So that's kind of how I got involved uh, with OnScale. I'm super excited about the uh, future of engineering. So that background in sensor development then, how does that affect the day-to-day -day decisions that you make at the head of OnScale? Well, I'd like to say I have uh, a lot of empathy for the engineers that are using the OnScale simulation platform to do things like digitally prototype uh, MEMS sensors and, and all sorts of uh, different, very interesting uh, new technologies. So I understand what they're going through because I went through that myself when I was heavily involved in physical R&D, you know, making sensors. Uh, and then, you know, what we want to what we want to provide for these engineers is kind of the next generation of engineering simulation and digitally prototyping to help make their lives better. They're going to be able to run simulations faster, run much larger uh, design optimization studies, for example, larger parametric sweeps, all using uh, cloud supercomputers and on-scale algorithms. So you've been described as a cloud simulation visionary. Can you tell me what is your vision for cloud simulation? Well, yeah, our, our uh, vision is that, you know, every engineer, doesn't matter if you're at a major enterprise or you're a startup company, like Next Input was, uh, you know, eight years ago, you're going to have access to uh, really powerful tools running on cloud supercomputers. And there's additional uh, benefits to running engineering simulations on a cloud platform like OnScale. Uh, because we can make things like collaboration a lot easier. Uh, I can be looking at the same data set that uh, you know one of my engineering coworkers is looking at in, a, in another country, another time zone. We can be looking at the exact same 3D data sets, for example. We can share data more easily. We can uh, post-process data more easily and use things like uh, cloud artificial intelligence to train embedded uh, AI algorithms using simulated data. All of that is like brand new capability that didn't exist prior to OnScale and didn't exist uh, two or three years ago. 
Can you elaborate on the AI component? How do you see that uh, evolving with the evolution of cloud simulation? Yeah, sure. So this is actually one of the things I'm uh, most excited about. Uh, and the idea is that there's two ways to get data to train an AI. In order to train an AI properly, you need a ton of data. And the old way of getting data was to go into a lab or into the physical world and go capture a lot of data from a system. You know, let's let's take uh, sensors inside of a smartphone because I know, you know, quite a lot about that, and I've, I've written lots of algorithms for uh, managing sensors inside of a system like a smartphone. In the past, we'd have to go into a lab and and put sensors into thousands of prototypes, put those prototypes into lots of environmental test chambers, subject them to shock, vibration, temperature changes. Uh, you name it, you know, kind of everything that could possibly happen to these devices in the real world. We would collect data sets and then we'd use that data to create algorithms or, or train AI. In the future, well, actually, even now, you can just simulate all those things. So using OnSco, you can simulate shock and vibration and, and temperature swings and, you know, all the things that we used to physically test. And then the, the data sets that you get from that are just as good, if not better, than the empirical data sets that you get from traditional uh, testing processes. And you can get that data set through simulation a lot faster and a lot more cheaply than doing a bunch of physical testing in order to generate data. But will there still be a need for the physical testing? Or do you imagine being entirely simulated in the future? Yeah, there, there will always be need for physical testing, physical validation, physical qualification. I mean, ultimately, we engineers are making physical devices, so we're going to have to do that. But the objective is to shift, you know, 90% of that to simulation uh, in order to save a ton of risk, cost, and time to market. You know, at, at Next Input, it essentially took us four or five years to get our first product out into a smartphone application. I think in the future, new MEMS companies that are leveraging cloud simulation will be able to cut that time, you know, at least in half, maybe up to 80 or 90%. And they're going to be able to get new products out to market in a matter of you know months or quarters instead of years. So that's what I'm really excited about. Uh, so I imagine one of the big boosts for cloud solutions like OnScale has been the COVID-19 pandemic. Have you seen user behavior change significantly since the start of the pandemic? Yeah, we've we've seen what we've called we've called the uh, the COVID-19 effect, where you know, we were running a lot of uh, simulations for our customers on, on desktop computers. We actually do have like a hybrid model where, you know, engineers can use OnScale on a desktop machine if they want to. And we had many engineers that were running OnScale on desktop machines uh, prior to COVID-19. In March or April of this year, many of those enterprise customers got completely shut down, especially here in Silicon Valley. You know, literally overnight, they could no longer go into their labs they can no longer access their desktop machines or their local HPCs. And uh, for that reason, they had to start using our, our cloud options. So, you know, thank God that we already had our cloud option ready to go. So we've seen a, a pretty substantial shift from desktop simulation to cloud simulation because uh, an engineer can execute a thousand simulations in parallel from a laptop computer uh, at their home office or, you know, from a Starbucks. All they need is a, 
a small laptop and a Wi-Fi connection, and they can run massive simulation studies on cloud supercomputers. That's an amazing capability. So you think this will open some eyes and, and there will be no reason to go back to the desktop? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that there's going to be a transition period, obviously, between desktop computing and cloud computing. Just like, you know, back in the day, uh, most engineering happened on uh, using a calculator and using, you know, handwritten uh, physical spreadsheets. Nowadays, nobody does that because they have desktop computers. In the very near future, I think uh, a lot of simulation will happen on the cloud, and then people won't want to go back to uh, desktop environments because of the constraints uh, from a licensing perspective and from a, a compute power perspective. So I think it's a one-way street. I also think that because of COVID-19, um, engineers aren't going to go back to 100% working in a computer lab at their office. Uh, you know, it may not be 100% working from home, but it's not going to be 100% working in a computer lab. So it's going to be somewhere in the middle. And the key thing there is to have uh, flexibility in where you're running your simulations. And that's something that uh, OnScale can provide with our uh, cloud simulation platform. Uh, since you bring up a calculator, I personally still have a calculator on my desk that I'll use every now and again. And maybe I'm an anomaly, but do you think there's still going to be the use case for local simulations? Or is it just going to get to the point where we'll just send everything up to the cloud, no matter how simplistic it is? Well, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, uh, you know, there's probably still people that uh, write series of partial differential equations by hand on paper just because they love doing that. Uh, and people still use calculators. I have a, a TI-89 somewhere. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not going to go away entirely. But I think uh, engineers are very practical, pragmatic people. You know, and we're always willing to try the latest and greatest engineering tools because it helps us do our job better. The, the Roman engineers used abacuses to design roads and aqueducts and civilize Europe. Uh, a pocket calculator like what you have was good enough to put a man on the moon. Uh, desktop computers were good enough to get, you know, uh, all, all the modern technology that surrounds us today. Now the question is, what is cloud simulation gonna bring? I think cloud simulation is gonna bring a whole host of brand new technologies that you and I you know, can't even envision today. That's why I'm excited about what we're doing at, uh, at OnScale. So I know OnScale is part of the recently formed Digital Twin Consortium. Do you think you approach the concept of a digital twin any differently as a cloud native platform? Yeah, I mean, uh, in order to have really useful digital twins, you're gonna have to have some simulation capability. Uh, and we think that the same engineering tools that are used to design products and machines on a factory floor, uh, you should use that same simulation capability to update digital twins of each of those uh, individual machines that are out on a factory floor, for example. So <clears throat> whereas you know, digital twins today are limited by uh, the sensor data that's coming from these pieces of factory equipment, for example, Simulation can be used to fill in the gaps between the simulation data and then what is actually happening physically inside of that piece of equipment. And ultimately that helps uh, factory owners, factory managers make better decisions about when to do things like preventative maintenance or you know, when to, when to update uh, their manufacturing flows, for example. So I think digital twins and simulation and cloud simulation 
go hand in hand. Uh, another organization that your company is a part of is Revolution in Simulation, which uh, aims to propagate this concept of democratization of simulation, which we've touched upon on this very show. Um, do you think the cloud is a key enabler of democratization? Yeah, I think it's it's the biggest it's the biggest paradigm shift in computing in our lifetimes. Uh, and with cloud simulation, now a startup or even academic uh, users, like I know you went to a, a University of Alberta. We've got a bunch of University of Alberta folks designing next generation uh, sensors and, and MEMS devices using OnScale today. Um, whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, they didn't have access to supercomputing capability. They were limited by the whatever uh, CPU cores they had on their machine and you know whatever RAM they had on their laptops to run uh, simulations. So that's a huge democratization uh, component. If you give every engineer access to supercomputers on the cloud running highly advanced multi-physics simulation, you're basically giving every engineer access to something like Jarvis. I don't know if you're a, a fan of uh, Tony Stark and Iron Man. He's got his uh, Jarvis supercomputer with uh, AI capability that, that helps him engineer stuff. I mean, that, that's our vision. You know, give, give every engineer in the world access to capability like that. And man, you're going to unlock innovation globally and it's going to be an exciting future. Al, uh, as much as engineer, every engineer might wish to think differently, not every engineer is as brilliant as Tony Stark. So there's this concern that comes along with democratization that the engineers who now have access to these technologies don't also have the corresponding expertise to make the best use out of them. They might not set up their simulations properly, not be able to interpret the results correctly, et cetera. Is that a, a concern for you? It, yeah, it is a concern. And uh, that's one of the things that we wanted to attack with our latest pro product called OnScale Solve, which is a, a simplified uh, version of uh, our, our very powerful OnScale uh, cloud simulation solution. And with OnScale Solve, um, we've taken a lot of the guesswork out of uh, setting up a simulation, understanding how much a simulation is going to cost in terms of core hours, that's our digital currency to run simulations, and how much time it's going to take to execute a simulation. And we help guide the engineer into making good decisions about uh, how they're setting up their model so that, for example, they're not over-meshing uh, the problem or trying to go for you know too much accuracy at the at the expense of simulation runtime and computational cost. So we literally we, we use AI and we use uh, <clears throat> some very, very advanced uh, meshing technology to tell the engineer uh, if you mesh with this mesh density, it's going to cost you this amount of money and and this amount of time. or if you you know are optimizing for cost and runtime, you can uh, reduce the mesh density and you know, run simulations a lot faster. So that's that's one aspect of what we're trying to do to make simulation easier to access. The other thing is uh, we actually look at the simulation setup and identify um, areas that could potentially cause problems with our solvers. We know how our solvers work. We know how our cloud platform works. To the everyday engineer, they shouldn't have to be a numerical scientist. They shouldn't have to be a cloud IT expert. They just want to get uh, data back to make informed engineering decisions. 
so we analyze every simulation and we tell the engineer, hey, you know, this this simulation is not going to, we don't think it's going to give you the results that you expect. Why don't you try to change these boundary conditions, for example? And we're, we're helping to eliminate the uh, GIGO problem, garbage in, garbage garbage out, which was a problem with simulation all during my uh, academic and uh, professional engineering career. So to eliminate GIGO, we're uh, helping engineers set up the right model using AI. And we're also telling them exactly how long the simulation will run and how much it's going to cost them so they can make better simulation decisions. Uh, so while you're talking about the currency of the OnScale platform, it's a, it's a good segue into the licensing model of not just OnScale, but all these cloud platforms. Um, many of them have adopted a freemium approach where there's an entry-level version that doesn't cost a thing. You can experiment with the, with the platform, and if you like it, if you see the value, you'll pay for more usage. Um, but other cloud companies have had problems, I think, with the free users. And I'm curious, have you found it difficult to convert free users to paid users? Uh, we, we have a freemium version too. And, you know, we, we see a lot of, uh, uh, free users that stay free users. You know, they're, they're academic researchers. They do, you know, small simulations infrequently just to support their academic research. And that's fine. We want to support those engineers. Uh, naturally we're a business, so we want to convert as many, uh, freemium customers to paying customers as we can. I think we've done a pretty good job of that so far because you know we add a lot of value, um, and really our competition is uh, physical prototyping processes, physical testing processes. Those are extremely expensive, extremely time-consuming, very risky from an R&D perspective. And if we can offset that cost, risk, and time, then our customers will adopt and they are adopting cloud simulation so that they can digitally prototype. So, you know, as long as we're adding value, our, our philosophy is, uh, you know, we'll make money and we'll convert uh, free users to, to paid users. If we're not adding value, you know, we won't do that. But that hasn't been the case uh, so far. Well, it's, it's hard for me not to think of uh, another cloud company, uh, another recent cloud company, Onshape which uh, has a similar model to OnScale, has a similar name. It's only off by two letters. And uh, that company was last year acquired by PTC and was found out at that time that they didn't have enough paying customers to support their operations. They were about halfway to where they needed to be to break even. Um, curious, number one, did your company derive any inspiration from Onshape as you were forming? And number two, were you surprised by the PTC acquisition? Uh to answer the first question, yes, of course. I mean, we're huge Onshape fans. Been a fan of their uh, their management team, the the Johns, John McLenny, John uh, Herstick. You know, ever since the SolidWorks days, I was a I was a SolidWorks fanboy, and I remember picking up my first copy of SolidWorks when I went to uh, undergrad um, back in two thousand one. I thought it was amazing because I've been trained on uh, Autodesk. Uh, AutoCAD, you know, 2D. So going from 2D to 3D was just such an incredible shift. So I've been a fan of those guys uh, ever since. Uh, yeah, we took a lot of inspiration from them, uh, both the name, you know, the business model, the the cloud SaaS vision. And I will say uh, kudos, uh, kudos to the PTC folks for recognizing the need to drive engineering workflows to cloud and SaaS because for, for way too long, 
engineers have been captive to like this desktop uh, paradigm. Whereas in the rest of the software world, everything is going cloud SaaS. I use Google spreadsheets. I use Google slides. I use Google Drive for collaboration. Uh, I use Salesforce for CRM, a, a cloud product. I mean, like all these other uh, big software categories have already gone to the cloud and, and to a SaaS model. And for whatever reason, you know, engineering software hasn't done that. And there, there are technical and, and business reasons why that's the case. But, you know, I applaud PTC for making that acquisition. I wasn't surprised that they acquired Onshape to help drive them into the cloud SaaS future. And, you know, we want to help those guys as much as possible. In fact, uh, we will be announcing an Onshape uh, connected app uh, next week. So people can try that. That's October 26th is when this goes live. They can try an Onshape CAD, an on-scale simulation workflow that mimics you know, SolidWorks and SolidWorks simulation on a desktop, except you'll have the capability of running, you know, 100 simulations in parallel. Whereas on SolidWorks simulation, you've got to run 100 simulations serially, one after the other. So it's going to be a game changer for engineers. Um, are you worried about some of those legacy competitors, though? For example, SolidWorks simulation, you're right, it's run locally, but Deso Systems also has a cloud platform that they're trying to build up. Do you think there's a risk of these legacy companies sort of leapfrogging past you with their established brands and customer bases? Yeah, th there's a risk to that. Um, <clears throat> I think that, you know, from my perspective, they're making a lot of the same mistakes that Microsoft's office made when Microsoft tried to do their first cloud implementation. I don't know if you remember this, but the, the first Microsoft Azure cloud was a remote desktop solution. You remote desktop into a, a cloud instance, you know, a single cloud computer, and it would have your Microsoft Excel, your Word, your PowerPoint there. And that's that's a terrible user experience. And that's because those are desktop, that's desktop software that's written for a desktop. Uh, it wasn't written for the cloud and the web the way that... Um, the G Suite products were, you know, Google Sheets, Google Slides. Those are cloud native and web native applications. And Google will never go make a uh, desktop product. Instead, you know, if you want to run uh, the G, G Suite applications locally, you're going to launch uh, a Chrome browser to do that. Um, I, I think that's that's the future. So, like, you know, we don't we're not necessarily worried about the uh, the desktop. Uh, software providers, they're going to get the memo eventually. But, you know, we, we want to be the Google of this transition. We don't want to be the Microsoft, like, you know, chasing Google to the cloud with Office productivity apps, for example. You've got a humorous image in one of your presentations of these legacy software providers uh, pictured as dinosaurs and on scale as the meteor coming to extinguish them. Uh, and and I, I assume you must believe that's the case then if these companies don't modernize and quickly they will go extinct and it will be companies like OnScale and Onshape who have all the market in the future. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's a that's a humorous uh, graphic. We're, we're not going to put anybody, we're not going to make anybody extinct. But, you know, look, look, look at uh, recent examples of uh, major software categories that have gone cloud and SaaS. <clears throat> not too far away from me here in San Francisco is the Salesforce Tower. It's now the tallest building in San Francisco. Those guys created cloud and SaaS and, and SaaSified CRM, which was a huge on-premise 
software category, you know, in the nineties, they brought it into the cloud in the, in the two thousands and now they dominate that market. And the companies that should have made that transition, like Microsoft and Oracle and Siebel and, and these others were caught flat footed. And now they collectively, you know, own a fraction of the market share that that Salesforce does. So, I mean, the, the writing's on the wall. We, we now have cloud supercomputers. We have what I call a cloud 4.0, which is the ability to create, um, you know, fully integrated cloud native software that leverages cloud supercomputers to do amazing stuff. Um, and, you know, if you look at our technology stack and you look at the desktop software that companies like Dassault provide, um, it's, it's a night and day difference. So we've got a we've got a head start. Uh, we're going to take advantage of the head start. We're going to try to get as as much of the engineering universe on the cloud and SaaS bandwagon as we can. We'll partner with Onshape and PTC to do that, and uh, we'll enable the future of engineering. Uh, one of the big concerns still facing the cloud, though, is security. Uh, are your users concerned that their data isn't protected in the cloud? You know, it's funny. Uh, that was a major concern and. 2018, 2019, when we first got started. Uh, and we we took all of the normal steps to prove that we were very secure. We adopted all the AWS and GCP best practices for security. We have, you know, 256-bit end-to-end encryption. We, we have SOC 2 compliance. So third parties have evaluated our security infrastructure and have, um, you know, approved our, our security infrastructure. We do our own uh, white hat um, penetration testing and, you know, hack testing and stuff like that. Um, but it's funny how now in the, like the COVID-19 new reality, the emphasis isn't really on security. It's still a, you know, an important thing, but the emphasis today is like, how do I keep my engineers productive when they're working from home and, you know, forcing them to work on laptops in their home offices doesn't make them productive forcing them to log in through VPNs and have like a ton of latency uh, when they're using their engineering software that's hosted locally, that's not a good solution. So now smart CIOs and chief information security officers are, are looking at the cloud. And, and what I like to tell them is, you know, hey, you can do all you can to make a secure infrastructure on premise, but AWS and GCP, I mean, they, they literally have armed guards uh, controlling access to their data centers. They have the top security people working for them. You know, there, there's no way that a smaller company is going to match uh, that type of uh, cloud security. And the proof is in the pudding. I mean, it, AWS has never been hacked. Apps that were built on top of AWS that didn't comply with their best practices have been hacked. But AWS itself has never been uh, hacked. And I don't think UCP has either. And I have one more question for you. I want to bring it back to something that's a little bit topical right now with the Apple's release of the iPhones 12. And of course, the big announcement there is their compatibility with 5G. So that's going to be a big thing for a lot of engineers. Uh, it has been and it will continue to be. Are there any advantages of using cloud products for the design and development of 5G components? Oh, yeah. And you know, many of our customers are in that space. They're designing 5G front ends for things like smartphones and and base stations, they use uh, OnScale's cloud simulation uh, to do that. And um, you know, if you look at the leap from 3G to 4G, that was a leap that was possible with old school physical prototyping 
techniques and, and manufacturing processes and R&D processes. The leap from 4G to 5G, it, you know, it's, it's no longer sustainable to use that legacy, those legacy physical prototyping R&D processes. So more and more companies are adopting simulation and in some cases adopting a on-scale cloud simulation platform to digitally prototype these types of devices because every 5G smartphone is going to be unique. It's going to have a unique set of antenna, unique set of uh, RF front-end requirements, and it's, it's almost impossible now to you know, create a, a, a cookie-cutter uh, solution for those types of devices. And smartphones are just, just the tip of the iceberg. You know, pretty soon there's going to be a whole host of IoT devices that leverage 5G networks and, and have 5G front ends as well. So, you know, as soon as that nut is cracked and, and we adopt these new uh, engineering and R&D processes, I think uh, we'll help drive the proliferation of 5G devices globally. Great. Well, can't wait to see what happens. Can't wait to see how the cloud evolves. And Ian, thanks so much for joining us today on the program. Yeah, thanks a lot, Michael. It's been a pleasure being here. And thanks to you for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Designing the Future.